Ariva Addison's. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing with the Addisons. The Addisons are not here uh, this week because they just had a little baby boy last week, uh, little Timothy Rand. Seven pounds, nine ounces, nine, nine ounces, 21 inches long. So we're praising the Lord for that. And so you have guest hosts for this week and next week. I am Jeff Shreve, and this is my wife. Debbie Shreve. Nice to be here. And we are excited to be with you for the next two weeks talking about marriage, talking about family, talking about uh, how to have a deeper walk with the Lord. And, and just how to live in this crazy world yes. we are currently living in as believers in Christ. Yes. How do we do that? It's getting more and more difficult, but uh, the darker it gets, the more opportunity we have to shine for Christ and to share his story and share what great things the Lord has done for us. Some of you may listen in on From His Heart Ministries. We are pleased and privileged to be on American Family Radio every weekday at six o'clock central time. And so uh, I have been the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas for the last 17 and a half years. And we started From His Heart Ministries back in early 2005. And God has blessed the ministry and we've been able to uh, share His Word, speak real love, real truth, and real hope to hearts and homes throughout the United States and around the world. And so we give the Lord all the praise. But we wanted to just introduce ourselves to you. Some of you may not be familiar with us at all. And uh, just kind of let you know how we met. We've been married for 34 years. And we have three beautiful daughters. And we have three wonderful sons-in-law. And we have two grandchildren. And God has blessed our family. They're probably blown away that we have grandchildren because we just sound so young. Yes. Like, you know, what did we start when we were 10? Yes. You know, because we are, we're very young. Very young. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. We so are. we have a very interesting uh, courtship. And Debbie, why don't you share with them what was going on in your life? Well, I had um, grown up in the Houston area. I'm a native Houstonian. And um, I had made just some major blunders in dating. I grew up in a pastor's home. My, my dad had been a pastor since he was about 15 years old. And so I grew up in just a solid Christian home, but I truly never wrapped my brain around the fact that I needed to only date Christians. I don't know why I just was stupid. And um, anyway, I made a lot of blunders dating and dated a lot of, uh, of guys that were not believers that led me into doing things that I should have never done, made a lot of mistakes. And I came to this very pivotal point in my life where I realized that I was straddling the fence and I could not continue to do that. And so I just recommitted myself in my relationship with the Lord and I made a commitment that I was um, going to only date a guy that was a believer. And just being a believer wasn't even enough. He had to be 
walking with the Lord, seeking the Lord out, growing in his faith. Um, So he couldn't just be a check the box kind of Christian. I wanted someone who was sold out. And so I was uh, very, very particular about that. And then furthermore, I even added another caveat to that, that because I had grown up in the Baptist denomination, I just wanted someone who was also shared that denomination with me so that we had that commonality together. Not that there's anything um, super exalting about being a Baptist, but but that was just important to me. That was the, the, the spiritual culture, I guess, for lack of a better word, that I had grown up in, and I just didn't want to have to deviate from that. And so I just set those parameters, those stiff boundaries in place, and I just committed to the Lord that I would not cross that boundary, that I would only stay within the confines of what I felt he had laid on my heart those boundaries needed to be. And it wasn't too terribly long after that that in walks Mr. Shreve into my life. Yes. Boom. Here he is. Yes. Mr. Handsome. I still remember the first time I ever laid eyes on Debbie. Uh, we were at a singles function. It was at this guy's house. It was after church on a Sunday night. And I saw her from a distance, and I was just like, Wow. Uh, she is so gorgeous, and I wanted to get to know her. And so it was some months later that I she was kind of seeing somebody at that time. And so when they broke up, I moved in and asked her out, and we went out. I still remember it was May the 10th, 1985. Now, isn't that funny? He remembers that, but he doesn't know where the bowl goes in the kitchen. But he remembers that day. Right. I remember that day, and it was uh, we had our first date, and it was a great uh great date and it was so fun it was an interesting first date because i jeff was so quiet and so we would be in sunday school class together and and he would never talk and so i remember thinking the night of our date why did i say i would go out with this guy he doesn't say three words in a row this is going to be the longest date ever because he doesn't speak and he doesn't ever talk But then on that date, he just blew me away. We laughed and he talked and he was just so fun that I actually came home that night and told my roommate, I think this is the guy I'm going to marry, this guy. Yeah, can you believe that? She needed to cool her jets a little bit. I wasn't ready on the first date to get married. But uh, one of the things that we had in common, really the, the cornerstone of our relationship uh, from the from the get go, was this and is this? We both loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and we both feared God. And with that as the the hub of our relationship and the cornerstone, everything else could build upon that. And we wanted to talk to you guys today in this in this first day about that uh, critical component of a successful life, a successful uh, life in general, successful Christian life, is the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It goes on to say in Proverbs 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the beginning point, the, the starting point, the ABCs, if you will, of a life that is wise, a life that is filled with knowledge and understanding and, uh, and the good things and the blessings of God, it comes from the fear of the Lord. And unless a person has the fear of the Lord, I've always likened it to this, it's kind of like when you button, uh, button your shirt, and especially a button-up shirt, 
if you miss the first buttonhole, and sometimes, you know, you can be getting dressed quickly and maybe miss it. Well, it doesn't matter what you do with the rest of the shirt. If you get the first button in the wrong buttonhole, the thing is not going to be right because you have to get that first buttonhole correct for the rest of the shirt to go right. The first buttonhole in life is the fear of the Lord. And that doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. God doesn't want us to be uh, quaking in our boots every time his name is mentioned. But it means that you have an awe of God, that you have a respect for God, that he holds the highest place of honor in your heart. Uh, Gary Smalley used to say, you know, the fear of the Lord is not, ah, God is here. The fear of the Lord is, ah, I am in the presence of God and I need to give him the ultimate and my utmost respect and honor because he is God and I am not. I like what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 as he ends his search. You know, Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. It's a, it's a search that Solomon goes on to find satisfaction. And you read a, a phrase in Ecclesiastes that a that occurs 29 times in the book, and it's the phrase, under the sun. And Solomon is doing a search under the sun, keeping God out, keeping heaven out. What is going to satisfy my soul? And he finds that there is nothing in life that can satisfy his soul other than a relationship with God. And he ends the book and says this, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For the Lord will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Well, you know, you brought up an interesting word when you were talking about what the fear of the Lord actually means, and it's that awe, like you said, but the interesting word was that word respect. And I think in our culture today, we have seen such a breakdown of respect in general. We have children who have a lack of respect for their parents. We have citizens who have a lack of respect for police officers, for those in authority over them. And um, I think so much of, of what is going on in our culture can be traced back to the lack of respect that has been generated over the last few decades. Well, once you reject the fear of the Lord, from there, you're kind of in free fall mode. So if, if you won't acknowledge God as God and you as the servant, um, then it's kind of Katie bar the door. Uh, I like what the scripture says in the book of Romans. You know, I believe that we are living in Romans chapter one, uh, verses 18 and following. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress, hold back the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Evident within them is conscience, evident to them is creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And then it says this in verse 21, for even though they knew God, and it doesn't mean that they knew him in a personal saving relationship, but they knew about God. Even though they knew God, knew about God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they, get, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over. And it says three times, he gave them over to the lusts uh, in their hearts, to impurity, and then God's going to give them over to degrading passions. And it talks about the issue of homosexuality. Women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also men abandon the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And then it says God gave them over to a depraved mind, a mind that doesn't work right, a mind that doesn't know the difference between a boy or a girl. And that's kind of the world in which we live. And it all starts, it all unravels at the point where a society refuses to acknowledge God. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. They say, as the scripture says, Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Literally, he says it, and not in his head, he says it in his heart, and there is no God means uh, literally no God. Uh, it's not that they're necessarily saying, I don't believe there is a God. They say, no God for me. Uh, it's kind of like if you're at a restaurant and they, they come by at the end of the meal, do you want dessert? And you say, oh, no dessert. doesn't mean that you don't believe dessert exists. It means no dessert for you. And that's what the fool says, no God. I don't want you in my life. I don't want to believe in you. I don't want to walk with you. I don't want to acknowledge you. And that's the world in which we live today. And Debbie and I want to talk to you about that. We want to talk to you about the issue of the fear of the Lord. So in this next uh, segment, we want you to call in, and the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We would love to talk to you about this issue of the importance of the fear of the Lord and how we desperately need to get back to our roots in terms of a nation where we fear God, where we walk in His ways, where we honor Him, where we honor His Word and where we look to Him. You know, we have this phrase that is used, uh, make America great again. The only way America can be great is if America returns to God and to give Him His rightful place as King and take our rightful place as servant. So we'd love to talk to you in this next segment coming up, 888-589-8840. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. 
Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to register for a free sneak preview. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is coming soon. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Well, these are certainly tough, tough times, aren't they? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years at only $5 a Bible. You know, I'm grateful that God has given Bible League a platform for more than eight decades to address the other pandemic, and that's the shortage of Bibles all over the world in places like Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America. In fact, at Bible League, we determined that as few as one Christian in 10 has a Bible. What's that mean, that during this pandemic, many evangelical Christians elsewhere in the world cannot open their Bible and be reminded of God's promises like 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. But you know, during this time of sheltering in place, we can shelter in grace. Learn how you can be a blessing to believers around the world praying for a Bible by visiting sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org or by calling Bible League at 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Well, welcome back to the broadcast. We are so glad that you are sharing this afternoon hour with us. Um, my name is Debbie Shreve, and my husband Jeff Shreve is with us today. And we are filling in this week. We have the privilege of filling in for uh, Miki and Will Addison. Um, having had a baby last week, they're taking a few weeks off. Bless their hearts. They certainly deserve it. Yes. Um, so we are thankful and grateful to be here. Well, we are excited to take your calls, and the first caller up is Todd from Louisiana. So, Todd, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, Todd. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Okay. How you doing? Hey, how y'all doing? Nice We're doing well. Um, I listen to uh, Nikki and Will a lot, so uh, I don't call a lot, but I listen to them a lot. Oh, I wanted to share something with y'all. I mean, everybody knows this, well, should know it. You know, when Jesus left the earth, you know, he gave strict uh, orders to his disciples, you know, to go out into the world and make his disciples out of all nations. You know, he said, that's the Great Commission. But today, you know, we have fallen away from that. And uh, it's because Christians are scared. And um, they're scared to profess their faith. They're scared to talk about it. You know, and they may get fired from their job. You know, and we need to uh, start standing up and uh, not be afraid. I'm going to hang up and listen to y'all. Thank you. Yes. Well, that's a great point, Todd. I think that uh, in the day and age in which we live, uh, it's going to get harder and harder uh, for Christians to uh, to just kind of skirt underneath the radar 
and we are going to have to stand up and be counted. And it may, I've told our church before, hey, it can cost you friends. You know, on social media, you stand up and you be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ. It can cost you friends. It can cost you your, uh, your job, perhaps. People have lost their jobs for, uh, you know, rejecting this idea that, uh, you know, I have to call a biological man. I have to start calling him a girl and using those pronouns that are just wrong. I enter into that, um, that lunacy with this person who's obviously really confused and really struggling. And so it can cost you your friends. It can cost you your job. It may cost you your freedom. I think we're going to live in a day in America that's not too far off where guys like me that preach the whole counsel of God and stand up and say, thus says the Lord and call out sin are going to be uh, are going to be incarcerated for their stand. And so it can cost friends. It can cost your job. It can cost your freedom. It may get to the point where it can cost our lives to stand up for Jesus. Well, we have had this conversation, uh, Jeff and I, so often, and it, it seems that for the last decade at least, um, in our Christian culture and society, we have leaned so heavily on the side of grace at the expense of truth. And we have Christians, we have developed uh, this sense that if we speak truth, we're not being loving and we're not being kind. And as a result of that, we just see that Christians in general have just, to quote my grandmother, they've lost their gumption. <laughs> we just don't have gumption anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, in this time in which we are living the silent majority of believers, we have got to get our gumption back, and we have got to speak the truth, realizing that just as Jesus spoke and it offended people, when we speak it, it's probably going to offend people too. But the the other side, they have no problem telling us what they think. Right. They have plenty of gumption. <laughs> they right. have plenty. They have it in spades. And as believers, we've got to get that back. We have got to get that back. Well, Debbie and I just got back from Branson, and in Branson we saw the uh, the play and the presentation of Noah, and at the Sights, Sights and Sounds Theater, yeah, just tremendous. But it just struck me uh, uh, fresh how godly and courageous Noah was, because he stood against the whole world. He and his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their wives and Noah's wife. I mean, it's eight people against the whole world. And no doubt they tried to cause harm to him. They hated his message. He was a, called in the Bible a preacher of righteousness. But he stood up for the Lord. He stood up for what the Lord had said. So he stood for the word of God. He preached his heart out. He invited people into the ark, the ark of safety, which is a picture of Christ. And he did, even though he didn't have any success in terms of, you know, how many did you win to the Lord, Noah? Just my own family. But he was faithful to God. And for how long was he faithful like that under those conditions? Uh, Yeah, Uh, a hundred years. A hundred years. Not Uh, just one election cycle. A hundred (laughs) years. So, you know, you look at people like that and you say, God, help me to be like Noah. There's a guy in the Old Testament named a prophet named Micaiah, and he stood alone for the Lord. And he was uh, maligned. King Ahab hated that guy because he never prophesied good concerning Ahab because Ahab was walking in the the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He was doing all sorts of, of evil and leading the nation astray. And so Micaiah called him out on it. And he was willing, this prophet Micaiah, willing to stand alone. And we need to have 
some men and women, some boys and girls in their schools, be willing to stand alone for the Lord Jesus and to speak the truth in love. Well, thanks so much for that call, Todd. Secondly, we have Jim from South Dakota on the on the phone wanting to talk about the fear of the Lord. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Jim, awesome to talk to you. I've listened to your sermons for a long time. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, because of the fear of the Lord, about eight years ago, nine years ago, I recommitted myself to the Lord. Praise the Lord. And since that time, I have grown tremendously. One of the sermons that you gave, and I don't remember it, the title, but it was where you had the ambulance running off the cliff. Yes. And it just, it hit me like a brick. It was like God coming at me with a 20-pound sledgehammer. Get up and do something. Yes. I tell you what, I thank you. I thank you for it. Thank you, Jim. That encourages my heart. Yeah, I remember when I preached that was a few years ago and uh, talked about how God has a guardrail of truth to keep us on the road, and he has an ambulance of grace if we crash over the guardrail of truth, and all of us have. And, uh, you know, if we didn't have the grace of God, as the Scripture says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And so God does have mercy and grace for us. But it's so much better to live life in the fear of the Lord, staying on the road, not crossing the guardrail and going off the cliff. Um, it's wonderful to have grace, but it's so much better to walk in uh, God's mercy and grace in, in terms of not having to continually come to the Lord. Lord, forgive me because... I, you know, I'm like the prodigal son, and every day I leave the father's house and I go to the pigsty. We don't want to live like that. Uh, we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So, Jim, I'm so glad that uh, God used that message in your life, and I pray that the Lord would bless you exceedingly, my brother. Thank you for your call. That was such a great illustration. I remember so vividly because you had that siren sound that kept going off throughout the service when you preached that sermon, and. Uh, you know, you think about it just in terms of just medical issues, and it's wonderful to have an ambulance. I mean, praise God that we have EMTs and we have people that come out and rescue and, and save and get there so quickly. But how much better to live life and never have to have used an ambulance. Right. <laughs> never had to have relied on that in any way, you right. know. Um, we had a staff member that was with us for a number of years, and I still remember his testimony Uh, because he didn't have a lot of things that he did. You know, lots of times we like to hear testimonies of guys that, you know, hey, I was a drug dealer, I was this, I was that, I was in prison, and those are great testimonies. His testimony wasn't like that, and he just said, you know, my testimony is this, God saved me from these things. He kept me from that because I trusted Christ when I was a young young boy, and I didn't get involved in any of those things. And so... uh, God was gracious and merciful to me to keep me from leaving the Father's house and going to the pigsty. Nobody wants to go to the pigsty. It's a terrible place. Well, we have uh, up from Virginia, Darla. She wants calling in, wanting to talk about the topic of the fear of the Lord. Darla, are you there? This is Daria. 
Oh, Daria, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I can oh, hear great. you. How are you? We're doing great. And um, I just love this talk. I love how you're talking about uh, how grace is great, but how much better to not have to have the grace. So, but I, I believe, and we talk about our family, that it's actual literal fear that stops you from that. So you have to know the truth and the whole story, right? If you know the whole story and you go to the end of the story, which is we're made for heaven and eternity, and this is a small time on earth, and so we're going to live forever in heaven, and if we don't, we're living forever in hell. And we used to talk about hell. <laughs> um, right. You know, the hellfire and the hellfire and brimstone sermons that got kind of put down in the 80s and 90s or whatever, but, you know, they, that's real fear, and, it, cause, and you should be afraid of that, and then it right. saves you from living a life that leads there, because that's the real story, right? I mean, that's right. the whole story. We don't talk about that. We're made for heaven and eternity. We're a soul. We live for a long time afterwards. And I can just right. give you a little story, and we are a soul. We live forever. Who we are lives on forever. We don't make sure that we're in the right place forever, right? <laughs> And so you should be really afraid of that. And then if you back that up, you behave accordingly to that. So the Hellfire and Brimstone sermons were really gracious, right? And they they provide a lot of kindness because it helps you behave well. So my sweet daddy just passed away, and um, he was telling stories about his Swedish Pentecostal Hellfire and Brimstone grandmother. And, you know, at the end, he's like, how is everybody here? How is everybody loving me? How is this so great? And I just said, Daddy, you had the fear of the Lord. And I was like, where did you get that from? He said, um, from Ida, Ida Thielander. He scared, scared me. <laughs> I didn't want to go to hell. Yes. So, you know, what a, what a legacy he gave to his kids. We're all married. We're all in good marriages, you know, and we're all staying married, and we, we know the Lord, and we have that. I know it isn't popular to say, but we have a fear of what, how you, what happens if you don't behave right anymore, right? Because your right. heart can get hard. I'm not here anymore. So that's a good thing to have. And I just really feel like pastors with all the grace and all the kindness for all the mistakes, that's great. But how about we tell the truth so they don't fall off the cliff, and then they're all broken, and then you have to give them grace. Right? Right. right. Well, and the thing is, I mean, we all need grace. So God, God, uh, you know, he says, uh, come boldly before his throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So grace, I've heard it defined this way, it's the desire and the power to live for Christ. So we all need that every single day, every single second of every day. But when you go to the pigsty, when you go off, you blow past the guardrail and you fall at the edge of the, at the end of the, the cliff um, or at the bottom of the cliff, you know, that's where you don't want to live. You don't want to keep doing that over and over. You know, as a dog returns to its vomit, as a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire, you don't want to live like that. Uh, you want to live and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. And, and that's where the blessings of God come. Uh, they, don't, they don't come when you continually disobey. Uh, and God doesn't want us to, to live like that. And we will if we're truly believers and we continually disobey. We're going to experience the chastisement from the Lord, and it's not going to be fun. And so, you know, the fear of the Lord is uh, it's kind of a two-edged sword. It's, it's, God doesn't want us to be afraid of him in terms of, oh, no, God is going to get me. But we do need to have a healthy fear that, um, you know, if I, if I blatantly sin against God, uh, God is going to discipline me for that because he's a good father, and a good father doesn't let his children get away with open rebellion and, uh, and insolence. And so that kind of behavior is going to be 
um, meted out with with some uh, chastisement. And I don't want to live under the chastisement of the Lord. I want to please him. I don't want to displease him. And so that's the, the fear of the Lord. It's when you have this sense of, God, I, I desire to honor you in everything I think, in everything I say, in everything I do. When I mess up, I fess up immediately. But I want to put myself on a path that's walking in the light with you, not a path that's walking in the darkness. Well, you know, something Darius said reminded me of a, a meme that I saw on Facebook not too terribly long ago, and it had to deal with the fact that so many people are so fearful right now of this virus, of COVID. And um, they were telling people, you know, different precautions that you needed to take to help your chances of not contracting the virus, you know, wear the mask, wash your hands, all these other things. But then it's like, okay, but what about all the people who are dying and going to hell? Why are we not warning them about that? It's like we're so busy warning people about this virus, but we're not busy warning people about their eternal destination. Right. And um, I just I thought that was just a very powerful reminder of how important that is to keep that fear of the Lord and to make sure that our lives, like uh, Todd was talking about that first caller, that, that we... We tell people about the Lord. We get our gumption. We tell them. We tell them the truth, and we speak that truth. Right. And I think about my own personal testimony. I came to Christ because he revealed to me and showed me if I died, I was not going to go to heaven. As much as I wanted to go to heaven, I was not going to go there because I was a sinner and I was lost, and I couldn't be good enough for heaven. And when my eyes were open to that truth, that, Jeff, if you died tonight, you would go to hell. That's when I cried out and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Save me because I don't want to go there. And I want to go to heaven and be with you. And the Lord saved me. And so some people discount uh, fear as, well, that's not a good motivator. It was a good motivator for me. And it is a good motivator for uh, many, many people because uh, the fear of the judgment of God should drive us to his mercy and to his grace. Only a fool would reject the mercy and grace and love of God and choose his judgment. We don't want that. We want to have God's mercy and grace. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back to take your calls. God bless you. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. 
AFA is pleased with President Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett as our next Supreme Court Justice. Judge Barrett opposes judicial activism, and she's a well-respected woman of faith. Liberal opposition to this nominee by anti-religious bigots will be intense. Now's the time to contact your senators and urge them to stand strong against the liberal tsunami of hate aimed at Judge Barrett. Email or call and urge your senators to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Learn more at afa.net. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've seen God open up so many doors for us to help serve and love those who get affected by a natural disaster. As the trees and the wind started crashing down around us, my wife was, of course, very diligently praying, you know, Lord, please be with us. Very simply, we do it because God commands us to love others. I see these volunteers all as a gift from God. And I'm just grateful they're here, you know, helping out. It's a blessing. If you're interested in becoming a part of what God's doing through 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com, click on Get Involved, submit your email address. I've noticed that whenever there's a time in my life when um, things might be a little gloomy, the number one thing that I can do is to go serve somebody. And uh, I would encourage anyone else to, uh, it's worth it. Come out and do it next time if you didn't make it to this one. And, um, the Father will really bless you in it. Thank you so much for your prayers and volunteering with Eight Days of Hope. A judge in Nevada said that casinos had more rights than churches do. The culture war rages in America. We have to be very, very suspicious of this transition in our society that's being forced on us by um, movements like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. It's a threat to our families, a threat to our future as a nation. And so what we see happening in our society is the empowerment of the spiritual darkness that will allow the slaughter of children. Hosted by Walker Wildman, the upcoming AFA at Home Virtual Town Hall brings vital insight from defenders of the faith, Dr. Richard Land, Star Parker, Abraham Hamilton III, Sandy Rios, the Benham Brothers, and Tim Barton. AFA at Home streams live Thursday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Central at afaaction.net. Register for free at afaaction.net. This is a spiritual battle, and we all are required to toe the line and take a stand. Hi, and welcome back to Airing with the Addisons. Jeff and Debbie Shree here. We are filling in for Will and Miki as they just had another baby uh, last week, little Timothy Rand Addison. So we uh, are excited for them, and we are, are excited to be able to share with you this week and next week and just to share from our hearts, share from the Word of God, to uh, answer your questions and to take your calls. And so right now we have a caller on the line, uh, Sandy from Kentucky, with a question on Romans chapter 1. Sandy, are you there? Sandy, are you there? Well, maybe we lost Sandy. Um, so we'll go to Preston. Preston from Mississippi. Preston, are you there? Yes, this is Preston. Hey, Preston, how are you? Preston from Mattawa County. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, I'm here. I just want to give a big shout out to Will and Nicky, but the baby boy. <laughs> yeah. If anyone can hear me up there, I can't hear no one talking back to me. Yeah, I can I'm hear you. I can hear you. I, Do you I have can't a question? hear you guys. 
at all. Anyway, I said I want to give a big shout out to Will and Nikki there for the baby boy. I listen to these guys continuously. And um, if I ask this question, then I'm going to get off. Maybe I can hear you guys back on the radio explaining. If y'all can hear me, I wanted to find out on uh, Bishop Jeremiah 2. That says they were in a Hinnon Valley. I want to know what that's all about. That was, they were talking about these uh, all these abortions and stuff. And then on Jeremiah eight, this is chapter uh, thirty down here, and uh, all that it says they were in a, a, at a top him or something in Hinnon Valley. And then look, they have all this kind of stuff going on up around New York City where they. Kill the children and burn them. Let me get off and turn the radio back on while I can hear you. Thank you. Good day. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, looking at Jeremiah 8, I wasn't uh, their babies up to the false god Molech, and uh, God brought judgment on uh, his people for that particular sin because it was so egregious where they would sacrifice their children to appease this bloodthirsty false god. And it is uh, definitely uh, in line with what we see with abortion today, where people um, will sacrifice their children on the altar of convenience, on the altar of selfishness, on the altar of, um, you know, I don't want this to crap my, cramp my style. I, I just don't want this child. Uh, this is better for the baby. Uh, how could murdering an unborn baby ever be better for the baby? That makes absolutely no sense. But since Roe v. Wade, we've, we've murdered roughly 60 million babies in America. And uh, we are going to experience the judgment of God because of that. And uh, God is merciful and God is gracious. And so I go back to the city of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, those Assyrians that lived there. That was the capital city of Assyria. And they were wicked, wicked, wicked people. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown was the message that uh, the prophet Jonah had for the king and for all the inhabitants there in Nineveh. And they heard the word, they received the word, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And as wicked as they were, God relented concerning the calamity he, was, he said he was going to bring upon them, and God didn't do it. And so God is a merciful God, and if, if we in America will turn back to him and confess our sins and repent in brokenness and humility, he will, as it says in Second Chronicles 7.14, he will hear from heaven, will forgive our sin, and will heal our land. Well, I, I would like to add this one thing. I, I just uh, I think it's important for any woman out there that's listening, or even even a man out there that's listening, that you have participated in an abortion in any way. Um, that God forgives that. That's not beyond the scope of of God's forgiveness. And so it doesn't have to be a life sentence of damnation on your life in any way, shape, or form, or for you to continue to just feel condemned and um, cast aside by the enemy. But it's something uh, that, that God does forgive and that he can bring 
beauty from ashes in that. There are consequences that you bear the rest of your life because of those types of decisions, yes, but but God can bring beauty for ashes, and he forgives, and he's a good, loving father. And um, you just have to go to him in repentance and and ask his forgiveness for that. But I think uh, in, in this current day in which we're living, especially with this upcoming election, this issue of abortion is a is a big one, and it's one that needs to be taken into consideration as you go to cast your ballot um, on which candidate is going to support that and which candidate isn't. It's because it is a, a grievous sin, grievous. Well, I, I've told our church before, I said, you know, if you had been a passenger on the Titanic, uh, probably... Uh, you had heard some people complain about maybe the soup was too salty or maybe the uh, laundry service was slow or maybe one of the cabin stewards was uh, maybe a little disrespectful. You could have had a list of things that I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like the other. Nothing compared to the fact that the ship had a huge hole in it because it hit the iceberg and was going down. I mean, that that overshadowed everything by a million miles. And I believe that abortion overshadows every other issue in this election, in the past elections. Uh, That is the thing. When you talk about uh, hundreds of thousands of lives being murdered every year, nothing compares to that. And so we need to do all that we can to fight for the unborn and to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, to defend those who cannot defend themselves. And so God wants us to... Uh, vote righteously when it comes to that issue above all issues. Well, we have uh, Andy up from Georgia talking about the fear of the Lord and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Andy, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I'm hey, sorry, Andy, I'm how you doing? I'm good, Say it good. Again? How y'all? Good. How are you doing? Well, I got, I was trying to get the phone right. I haven't had no speaker phone, but uh, I thought the lady called earlier, and I, I, really what I Turned my car on on like off work and heard talk about fire and brimstone and, and the fear. You know, and I'm a little concerned about the fear thing because First uh, Corinthians 13 it says, "Without love we're nothing, and if we do it for love, it is it profits us nothing." So, and I know that God says, you know, I can't remember where, but Ephesians seven maybe I don't know. I mean, I can't remember where, but it says that uh, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And if we're living in fear, how can we live in peace? Because it says, "Perfect love cancels out all fear," right? But I think, as, like with my kids, and I'm sure, and this is where I get all this from, my, my time in the Bible, not from, this is where I learned. It's just like our kids. Our Father, God, wants us, don't want nothing but a sincere effort from us. You know what I mean? Just get out there and, you know, put it forth a sincere effort to do what's right. You know, that's all I want from my kids is love and respect, and I'm sure that's all he wants from us. And uh, I don't want my kids living in fear of me. Right. I'm sure God don't want us living in fear of him. Well, but you want your kids to honor and respect you. When your kids are disrespectful to you, then that would be uh, a slap in your face. And you don't know, no father wants that. Uh, so we, we treat our fathers with love and we treat them with respect. Uh, and uh, that's the way God wants us to treat him. And so somebody has said this one time, and I think it's a great way to look at it. Uh, when you talk about loving God and fearing God, those aren't separate things. Those are two sides of the same coin. And the one who fears God most loves him best. And somebody has said, what is the fear of the Lord? It's love on its knees. 
before the Lord, saying, Lord, you're in charge of everything. You are God. It's kind of like the picture of Thomas when he fell down at the Lord's feet and said, my Lord and my God. Uh, he He was in awe of him. And he was in love with him, and he was surrendered to him. And that's how God wants us to live. I love what the Scripture says in the book of Exodus. I think it puts it in such great perspective. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, when God visited the people on Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments. It's a, it's a key chapter, Exodus chapter 20. And when the Lord came, I mean, there was, there was lightning and there was thunder and there was smoke and there was fire and there was the sound of the trumpet. It was a terrifying experience. And the people said to Moses, uh, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, this is Exodus 20, verse 20, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So he says, don't be afraid of God, but fear God, because our God is a consuming fire. Our God is, he is uh, a loving God that we can get close to, but he is also Uh, the consuming fire. And as the scripture says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so God is a safe refuge for his children. But for those who who reject God and reject his plan for their lives, uh, he is a consuming fire. And it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of him. Uh, as Jonathan Edwards preached in the 1700s, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, that is a terrifying thing. And God wants to use that, the fear of judgment, to turn men and women, boys and girls, back to himself. As the caller had said, you know, we don't hear much about hell anymore. We need to hear that. Uh, I tell people when I do a, a funeral, I say, listen, I like doing funerals. I had a friend of mine who said, oh, I don't like to do a funeral. I like to do a wedding because a wedding is celebratory. A funeral is, is a downer. I said, well, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And a house full of mourning is better than a house full of feasting because this is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. You know, a funeral is a great opportunity to share the gospel because people cannot uh, escape the fact that everyone is going to die one day. And the person in the casket that they're having the funeral for, that is going to be them one day. And then what is going to happen? Are they ready to face the judge of all the earth? Are their sins forgiven by the blood of the Lamb? And if that hasn't taken place, that can take place. And I always give people an opportunity at every funeral. Hey, this is your opportunity. God is speaking to you. You came to this funeral to give your last respects to this this friend, this family member, this loved one. But this is your opportunity to receive Christ as Savior and Lord and be ready for when you die, that you can stand before the Lord knowing that your sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, going back to something Andy said, he he made mention of the fact that he didn't want his children to be fearful of him. And uh, I think just going back, looking back on raising our kids, our kids knew how much we loved them. 
but we wanted them to be fearful of what would happen if they disobeyed a direct lack for lack of a better word command that we had given them if they disobeyed us if they didn't do what we they knew we required of them to do we wanted a healthy fear to be there not a irrational fear that was way out of proportion to the event but but we wanted them to be fearful of us and it was because of that fear that they had of punishment if they crossed the line, that they stayed in line most of the time, Um, you know? And so it it goes back to that, like we said at the very first of the program, the difference between fear, being scared of something, and respect and awe of something, Um, and, and making sure that you understand those definitions. Because when we're talking about fearing the Lord, it's not that we're shaking in our boots terrified that he's going to just hit us with a hammer it's an awe and a respect of who he is and his grandeur and his majesty and his power and his majesty and his might that's what we're in awe of right and i love that scripture in the book of psalms uh if you lord should mark iniquities O lord who could stand but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared And so, listen, no matter what you may have done in life, Debbie and I were talking a little bit about abortion just a few minutes ago, and that is a a deep uh, hurt and wound in people's lives that they have committed this this sin, and and people wonder, "How, how can I forgive myself? Listen, you don't have to forgive yourself. You just have to receive the Lord's forgiveness. The Bible says what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. I go back time and time again in my own life and in my own walk with the Lord to Luke chapter 7 where Jesus said to the prostitute who wept at his feet, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go You don't have to go in guilt, you don't have to go in shame, you don't have to go in consternation, you can go in peace knowing that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. The moment that we humble ourselves, we confess our sins, and we turn from those sins and turn to the Savior. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll see you again tomorrow, hear from you again tomorrow at this same time. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith.